Welcome to Chasing Nichols with your host, Alan Schoenberger. Chasing Nichols is the podcast that helps business owners focus on actions that will have the greatest impact on their business. Now, here's your host, Alan Schoenberger. Communication. It's something we all do on a daily basis. We communicate with our family and friends. We communicate with business associates. We communicate with pretty much everyone we come in contact to on a daily basis. Today on Chasing Nichols, we're going to discuss the communication between a business owner and their employees. And I am so happy to have as my guest, Dr. Mark Miller, president of MLM Coaching and Consulting. Mark is a PhD in psychology, and he received that from Adelphi University, and he also holds the credential of Professional Certified Coach awarded by the International Coach Federation. Mark coaches uh, a variety of executives, professionals, and leaders in a number of areas, but one of them is uh, promoting greater awareness of communication to uh better and effectively create a successful organizational uh, process. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the program, Dr. Mark Miller. Thank you, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. As am I. Uh, So let's get right into it. In a prior podcast, I discussed the importance of corporate culture and how Uh, You can have the best salary and benefits in your industry for your employees, but if you have a toxic culture, employees are simply not going to stay. So uh, in that framework, uh, I guess, how is the quality of communication in the workplace important to creating a positive company culture that's going to be beneficial to that organization's success? Great question. Beautifully phrased and communicated, if I may say so for you. Thank but you. It's all about, it is all about culture and um, the so-called toxic culture is uh, a phrase that we hear a lot. And culture makes all the difference in the world. If, if people are experiencing a culture in an organization is toxic, they're going to leave as has happened uh, during the great resignation that we've just lived through. Um, And now they're talking about the uh, quiet quitting phenomenon, which I think has been around for a long time, but just got that name. Agreed. What does it have to do with communication? For people working for an organization to feel safe, comfortable, productive, motivated, creative, uh, etc. Those are some of the words that came to my mind. Um, they have to feel that the people who are in charge of the organization, whether it's the owner, the, uh, the highest level executives, managers, depends on the size of the organization and how that kind of filters down to various people on staff. Right. But the way they the way they feel they're being spoken to, the way they're being given directives, the way they're being uh, reviewed and 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 perhaps criticized uh, how they're being given assignments and being appreciated for the work that they do really makes a tremendous difference 
in how they feel about working for that organization. Um, my experience is that while there are some people in senior positions in organizations who get it and talk to their people as people, they, they, they appreciate the people who are on their staff or on their teams. They respect them. Uh, there's a hierarchy in most organizations and it's pretty clear who's the boss or who are the people in management positions versus staff positions. But people want to be treated as people. They want to feel that the people who are above them in the organizational hierarchy appreciate them, respect them, are interested in them. And when that happens, people flourish. Um, is money important? Yeah. People always want to make more money. People right. want to get advanced in, in, you know, in, in the organization. Um, I'll take a little side step just to talk about the younger generation in the workplace, the, the Gen Zs who are the youngest people in the workplace and the millennials before them came into the workplace with expectations that included how, how am I being treated? How am I being spoken to? What opportunities am I going to have? Not only for advancement, but for learning and for being mentored. Um, those are the expectations they kind of grew up with in their families. And when they came to the workplace, that's what they expected, maybe somewhat unrealistically in terms of how quickly they could move up in, the, you know, in that organizational structure. But an absolute bottom line for most young people entering the workplace and, and wanting to stay in an organization is how, how's my boss treating me? How am I being spoken to? Uh, am I given opportunities to learn? Are, are, are people who are in management positions interested in me and my development and my learning? And when that happens, things generally go well. It's not a guarantee, but when, when people in the higher echelons of, a, of an organization are oblivious to how they're speaking to their staff, they're alienating them. They're creating a toxic environment. Right. It doesn't mean that the younger generations are perfect. They can be difficult. They can be challenging. And I think it's important for uh, more senior people to, to learn. And I think coaching can be a real help here. Learn how to communicate to their staffs and, and for the younger people to learn how to communicate to their bosses. In a, in a mutually respective manner. But, it's, but all of that goes into creating a culture of, of positivity, of support, and which encourages people to stay, to uh, feel good about coming to work and feel that their, their work is appreciated and meaningful to them. No, that, that I, I couldn't agree more. You actually said several things there that uh, I, I kind of want to follow up on. One of them being, even though the focus of our podcast today is the communication of a business owner or leader to the employees, it's just as important for the, the employees to be able to communicate effectively with their managers and the leaders uh, within their organization. It works both ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you also talked about, uh, you know, employees wanting to be treated kind of the same way they would treat somebody else is kind of effectively what we said. So I know we can't cover in great detail, but can, maybe can you give one example uh, or maybe a bad example of, of, of how a manager might effectively communicate something to their employee? Sure. 
Okay. You know, in, in a way, it's easier to start with what's an ineffective way to communicate. Right. That's why I said that. You know? So an ineffective way to communicate is to assume if you're an owner or a senior person that I'm the boss, I can tell people what to do, I can give orders, and this is what you have to do, this is when you have to do it by, and staff members of whatever age are supposed to be obedient, almost like being in the military, salute and say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and, and do it. It doesn't really work that way. So the other extreme is, you know, and a lot of business owners or senior people say, well, are we supposed to coddle our younger people and ask them to do us a favor and please do this assignment or get this project done by X amount of time? It's somewhere in between. Communication should include a re- you know a request, but you know if a senior person says, "I need you to do this," or "You need to do this," this is a deadline for this project, and it has to be done by a week from tomorrow. That's that should be clearly delivered as a message, and not "Please do it." or pretty please. You know, you don't have to beg a person to do something for their job, but you. It's a good idea to say, you know, this is really a very important priority, and. The more, especially with with again with younger workers, and I don't want to exclude older people too, but the more they have an understanding of what they're doing, why they're mm-hmm. doing it, what the what the purpose is, the value it's bringing to the organization, the value it's bringing to to the clients or customers, the more meaningful it is. They're on board, and when they feel that when they do a good job, it's appreciated, that means a lot. And again, you know. Senior people very often say, well, you know, I'm paying this person to do their job. Why do I have to say thank you? It costs nothing to say thank you. Agreed. Right. You know, so just being polite, just being, you know, a person communicating with another person, regardless of status, there is a status factor. Bosses or managers or owners can give directives and and set expectations about what has to be done, but it doesn't have to be done in a way that diminishes the other person. And the messaging, in a way, in very subtle and not so subtle ways can be, look, you're an important part of the team. You're an important part of this organization. And what we're doing makes a difference, whatever that is, and defining the the value that we as an organization provide. doesn't have to be a not-for-profit. It doesn't have to be it could, be, you know, it could be any kind of company, but we have a purpose and we have standards and we have values and goals that are important. And, and when people in senior positions can talk to more junior people in a way that shows them respect, it's reciprocated more, much more often than not. Agreed. And you also mentioned one other thing in there about uh basically telling an employee or asking, you know, what needs to be done and when. And I think that was a a key thing I've experienced myself back when I was in the the corporate world is sometimes uh, managers and leaders would, you know, would say what they wanted, not necessarily be clear, but more importantly, they would leave out the when part. (laughs) I, I need such and such by Thursday at 4 p.m. and then doing a check-in with the employee for a couple of things. One, to make sure there was clarity that they understood, almost having them mirror back what needed to be done and checking in to see if there were any questions instead Uh of just saying, here's what I need done and walking away. 
Right, right. Yeah, it feels so much better to be given information. And, you know, I mean, just in terms of what you just said, Alan, in in a lot of the work I do in coaching people in organizations, um, a lot of people are very overloaded with with work. And it's pretty hard for for people in, in certain positions to determine what's the priority. You know, if a boss says, I need this by Thursday, today's Wednesday literally, truly. And yes. tomorrow's Thursday, I right. need it by four o'clock tomorrow. But I have 10 other things on my on my list of things that I have to take care of. If the boss says it needs to be done, that means it's top priority. Now, what if you have more than one boss? What if you have yeah. several people? What if some, they're overlapping, overlapping teams, overlapping uh, managers? It becomes really confusing. And being able to talk about it, not in a way that says, well, I shouldn't have to, if I'm, if I'm the worker, whatever positional level, I shouldn't have to make that decision. It should be senior people who are making the decision, but let's, right. you know, give me a context. And, 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 and it shouldn't be perceived as being arrogant to say, you know, I, I hear, I hear you, you need this by four o'clock tomorrow, but so-and-so has also given me an assignment that needs to be done by three o'clock tomorrow. How should I handle this? You know, that's a complicated situation, but it, it deserves a fair answer and not just, you know, a short, um, you know, curt kind of response. You do it because I told you to do it. Right. And, right. And, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where, you know, it's just as important for the employee to communicate to whoever they're reporting to in this case, you know, to kind of clarify, uh, you know, which should I make the priority so that the, right. they're not focusing on the wrong thing. Okay, but that that touches on something that I I feel is a very important issue, uh, which is a sense of safety in the workplace. Mm -hmm. In order to ask a question, and it should be done politely, it should be done respectfully by anybody in in any direction within an organization. But certainly, for a more junior person to speak to a more senior person, it should certainly be whatever question should be asked respectfully. And sometimes young people need ha need to help in learning how to do that. But there right. has to be a sense of safety that if I ask a question, it doesn't mean I'm being disrespectful. It doesn't mean I'm being arrogant. It doesn't mean I'm being dismissive. It doesn't mean, hopefully, that my boss is going to think um, I have an attitude problem and I'm going to get in trouble for this. Again, it has to be said in a way that is respectful and received in a way that appreciates the fact that staff members have a right to find out something about what's going on so they can understand what their responsibilities are. Right. And, you know, that, that whole sense of safety is important uh, in creating a positive culture in a number of other areas, not as part of our topic today. But uh, if a, a group of employees are sitting around, uh, you know, a conference room desk and spitting out ideas, uh, you know, each employee should feel safe that their idea is not going to be laughed at or looked at in any negative way, even if it's different than what the the crowd uh, or herd theory is. Right? Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. That you know, when the term psychological safety is usually used, it's used in that context for sure. It's that sense that if we're having a conversation as a team. Mm -hmm. Whoever is present at that meeting should be able to feel safe to contribute whatever thoughts they have. And the best leaders 
are people who welcome that, who say, you know, I want you, I want to hear from everybody. There's no, you know, it's a cliche. There's no such thing as a bad question or a bad contribution. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are some that are dumber than others. Let's face it. But, <laughs> okay. but, but generally speaking, if the if the communication from the leadership is the more input we have, the more perspectives we can bring to this project or this problem that we're trying to work on together as a team the better the outcome is going to be. And ultimately, senior per- the senior person is going to make the decision. You know, one of the things that's often talked about uh, is, you know, and, and actually you and I, we spoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I touched on it. A business is not, is not a democracy. Right. Unless it's structured that way, but that's very, very rare. And it's kind of like a family where, you know, there are parents and there are kids and they're not all equal in terms of decision making. Right. You know, but it's good to have communication where input is there and where the more junior members are welcome to participate, welcome to share their ideas. And ultimately, a decision will be made by the owner or the CEO or the boss or the management team. But when people feel anybody, regardless of their age, but certainly the younger, generational cohorts feel that their input is being requested and respected and heard. It doesn't mean that, yeah, we're going to do what you said because you said it, but we're taking that into account. We're thinking about it and considering it. That makes everybody on the team feel more valued. And that's that's part of this communication thing that we're talking about also. So I think that's it, it is a relevant part of this conversation. Absolutely. So you you want to run a business as, like you said, it's not a democracy, but you want to run it to the extent of a democracy that you want to get people's input. But at the yes. end of the day, it's the CEO or partner's final decision as to what's going to actually happen. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I want to move on a little bit and talk a bit about, can you share how uh, developing, developing and maintaining this uh, culture of communication in a company can uh, benefit employees, improve their mor- morale and their and their engagement in their work. Yeah, well, we've kind of touched on that a bit, but it, it's very much about that culture of communication, that cu- right. culture of of safety in communicating, in feeling respected for what you say and. And that has to work both ways or all ways. But that creates that culture of, of safety and security and engagement that gets expressed in, in, the, in the commitment that people throughout the organization work hard, do what they need to do to the best of their ability, and, and feel, take a sense of pride in what they're doing for themselves and for the organization as a whole. So. Morale, that's what morale's about. You know, morale is about people feeling good about working in this particular company or organization. And a lot of that has to do with the way they feel they're being treated when they're there. And and this fits in all too well with issues of retaining people. Um, you know, um, there's, as, as we said before, you know, there, there's been such, such difficulty in the workplaces throughout the pandemic uh, and, and, and since in keeping good people, in keeping your talent, um, 
people leave for whatever reasons. Replacing them is expensive. It's hard. Exactly. It takes time. It takes a tremendous investment of, of money to recruit, to onboard, to get people, you know, doing what they're what you need them to do. And there are no guarantees that that's going to work out. So the process can just repeat over and over again if the culture and the communication isn't in place to make people feel welcome and appreciated. Right, right, exactly. There, you know, there is a money side to this. Let's be honest. You know, if if you have to constantly replace employees, there is a cost to that, and some of that cost is a little hidden. You know, it's not just the cost of placing an ad for a job, or maybe giving a recruiter a, a finder's fee for uh, for finding you an employee. There is a cost to training. Yeah, uh, and there's a cost to the 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 time it takes a new employee to get up to speed and learn everything. So they may not be as productive during those first few days, weeks, and months that they're in a new role until until you know they've gotten the hang of it. And there's That's a cost true. to that 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 sometimes is I'll say hidden. It's not as obvious as you know spending X number of dollars on an advertisement to uh, for an open position. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and my understanding is it's often very difficult for a lot of companies to replace people who leave. You know, whatever's going on in the economy, mm-hmm. whatever's going on with uh, you know people looking for work, finding the right people for the right jobs is is a struggle. Um, whether it's in accounting or in engineering, I, I do coaching in both of those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, finding qualified people. Even if, you know, and, and even the most qualified person, when you change jobs, when you go to a new firm or a new organization, you have to learn what the expectations are in the new organization. That's part of culture too. Everybody does it differently. There are different, uh, there's different softwares, there's different technologies, there's different uh, processes. Finding the right people is hard and, and, and filling seats, you know, and you want to fill seats with the right people. But I know a lot of companies where they're short-handed because people have left, and it's not so easy finding people to replace them. And then all the things you've said about yeah. the costs involved of, of of recruiting, onboarding, training, getting people up to speed, uh, mentoring them, uh, training them is very time-consuming and very expensive. So from a business yeah. point of view, it's, you know, the more, and I think every business owner who may be listening to this has to understand that from experience, you know, the more you can keep the people who are doing the job well, you know, that's tremendously advantageous from a business perspective. And it also sets a tone for the organization when there's a lot of turnover, it kind of has, it can have a negative impact on the people who are still there. Yes. Yes, absolutely. In terms of just uh Again, from a, a mental uh, capacity of of just being able to deal with the the high turnover, but also you know you mentioned uh, if employees are or, or a company is short staffed, the other employees that are there may have to pick up that slack because Absolutely. the work still needs to get done. So it puts just that much more pressure on uh, the employees that are still there to Absolutely. perform and get their work done, Absolutely. and sometimes more than their work. Yeah. And that's and that can become a very big problem very quickly because most people don't want to put in that extra time and work. But you know, and again, I don't want to be picking on or or singling out mm-hmm. the younger people in the workplace. But more and more, 
that's those are the people who are coming into those those positions. You know, work-life balance has been talked about for a long time, but millennials and Gen Zs as a group mm-hmm. don't want to spend 10 or 12 hours at work. You know, they want to put in their day. Hopefully the quality of the work that they put in when they're there is is of good quality. And I, I think a, a positive uh, culture creates that probability. But the quiet quitting phrase mm-hmm. is about people who are at on the job, doing a bare minimum, doing the least they can because they're not really engaged, they're not really motivated. And they'll be damned if they're going to stay a minute extra because as soon as they can get out and do mm-hmm. what they want to do after work, they're running. You know, whereas if 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 people on staff are really feeling good about the organization, feeling good about the way their the senior people in the organization, their bosses and managers right. greet them, they'll put in that discretionary time. They'll say, you know, as long as it's not all the time, I'm willing to do this because I feel appreciated and it makes a difference. We know in fields like uh, like uh, accounting, like tax accounting, CPA mm-hmm. firms. There are times that are so busy, you know, before the the deadlines, that an eight hour day is not is not even a possibility. And 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 people going into those fields have to know that. But if it's an ongoing process where it's you know constant that they're mm-hmm. filling in for other people and doing the work of of two people, even compensating them by doubling their salary, which is very unlikely, they're not going to want to do it because it impacts the quality of their life. Mm-hmm. Quality of their life, and then there's burnout. So, uh, you know, I agree. Yeah. For, you know, yeah. it's one thing to work a little bit uh, extra from time to time, a one-off, but you don't want to see that consistently. And just, I'll add before we move on. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't want to work 12 hours a day every <laughs> every single day. So there you go. I don't think Why it's not? just the I don't think it's just the millennials and the Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a boomer, and uh, you know, my generation <laughs> has given in and given up. <laughs> You know, I don't feel that way because of the kind of work I do. But right, uh, you know, a lot of the younger people, and that includes, uh, you know, Gen Xs too. Um, you know, they see what the older generation kind of put up with, and that's not okay. So nobody wants to work that much. You know, business owners shouldn't have to even work that much, but they often do because you know they're working in their business, not just on their business, and they and and they haven't developed a a, a, a a staff that's that that can handle the workload. If they're doing well, that's you know in a way it's a positive, mm-hmm. but it's negative if people are feeling burdened by it. Right, uh, and then I wanted to also go back to something you alluded to. I think in in the first question in your answer, uh, and it just has to do with uh, we, at this point we've talked pretty much about communicating with our words. But that's just one way to communicate, right? There's there's tone, there's attitude in those words. Yes. Uh, and uh, can you talk a little bit about the the messages that may or may not be conveyed, uh, depending on the tone and attitude, and why that's important? Thank you. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, we talk about nonverbal communication, and you know whether or not the way people use their arms or you know mm-hmm. what their posture is, you know. There were different ways of interpreting things like that, but tone of voice, I think, is so crucial. And the tone of your voice, the tone of my voice, the tone of anybody's voice, is so tied in with how they're feeling. And you know, even if you try to put on a cheerful tone, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling annoyed, 
that gets con- communicated in the tone. You, the words are the words, but the tone really conveys the emotion behind it. So um, I think it's really important, and a lot of my coaching work has to do with this, how self-aware are we, regardless of what our role is in an organization, how aware are we about how we're feeling, what's getting triggered in us emotionally? If somebody says something or does something that hits a nerve at some level, we may not even be aware of it. The more aware of it we, we are, the better we can kind of get a perspective on it and shift to a place where we can get away from letting our frustration or our annoyance or our hurt or our, you know, negative, usually, you know, if it's a positive response, it's not, it doesn't have a a bad uh, outcome. You know, if you're happy and really happy, a really grateful or or appreciative of work that's being done, that gets communicated too. And people pick up on that and that can feel great. We respond, we human beings are wired to respond to, to facial expressions and to vocal tone. And that's there from the time we're born. It develops as we're babies into childhood, throughout adolescence, into adulthood. We pick up on emotions. So if I, as the senior person in an organization, am feeling a lot of stress, things are not going well, or if I'm a manager and a certain person on my on my team is goofing off or not de- delivering, and I'm upset with them, I can pretend to be okay and, and be neutral, but the emotion is going to come through better than faking it because it's hard to hide what you're really feeling. It's a right. <laughs> So, and that's really hard. You know, there are these express, you know, there, there are times when it's difficult to have what I usually call difficult conversations, you know, but there are times when people, especially senior people have to have difficult conversations with staff members who are not doing what are, what's needed for them to do. But if you're doing it coming from a place of anger, frustration, annoyance, judgment, the way that comes across is it's received by the person it's being directed to, by that person getting defensive. And either they're going to shut up or they're going to tune out or they're going to quit or they're going to maybe have a little hissy fit. Mm-hmm. That's not a productive communication. And it starts, the responsibility in a way falls on the senior person. The more the person who's in a management or a leadership position is aware of how he or she is feeling mm-hmm. and can temper that and pre- present it to the other person in a way that is pointing out but some things that need to change, but in the context of, I'm here to help you make those changes. This is a, a learning experience. This is, you know, the goal is for us as a team to function well together and to produce the best outcomes for our clients or customers. And that's the goal. If things are not being done in a way that suits me as the boss, how can I communicate that to the more junior person in a way that says, how can we work on this together? How can we make things better? And how can I work with you in a collaborative way, in a supportive way, in a helpful way that can make you better at what you're doing. So you'll feel better about the quality of your work. And that will also help me in my position and help the the company do what it's supposed to be doing. 
Right. You, know, you also just said something in there about facial expressions that just uh, tickled something in my brain. Uh, if I recall, uh, a few years ago when I was putting together uh, a PowerPoint presentation, like we all do from time to time, uh, I, I kind of learned that uh, it's important to have visuals in your presentation because people learn and remember visuals much more than they do the words that you're saying. Right. So that I forget the statistic, but it was as much as 80 or 90% of information can be visual remembered versus the, the words. So when you said facial expression, that kind of yeah. tickled that in my brain and that we could be potentially communicating a positive message with our words to our employees. But if our facial expressions don't match that and aren't right. consistent with that, that yeah. can cause confusion and, and misunderstanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that kind of congruence of, of facial, visual, and auditory, really important. And mm -hmm. you can't fake it. Yeah, I mean, you can try to fake it, but right. you know, in a way, the facial expression can shine through often in a negative way, even if you practice saying what you want to say in a modulated voice, in a calm, cool, collected voice. Um, people, you know, we, we human beings are wired in a lot of different ways. We, you know, do have our two ears and our two eyes, <laughs> you know, but uh, different inputs are experienced differently by different people. And certainly when, you know, when somebody is perceived as being angry or negative, if that's the way they look, they could say the sweetest words in the world and it's not going to feel right. It's not, it's incongruent. It doesn't match. Agreed. And I don't want to overwhelm our audience with too much uh, today. So I would, I would, the last thing I would ask of you is uh, if I'm a business owner, if I'm a leader and I may be looking to either recognize where I might need improvements in my communication skills or just how to improve the overall communication within my organization, what would you say the one action item or takeaway would be? from today's uh, podcast. Okay. So just thinking about it now, in a way, the word that comes to my mind is, is humility. Be aware that we are human beings. We are not perfect. We are never perfectly self-aware and we're never perfectly aware of how we impact other people. And the best leaders are people who are open to learning about themselves, reflecting on themselves, and, and getting feedback from other people about how they're being experienced. And the little commercial message I'd like to throw in, oftentimes, very often, in my opinion, is a value in bringing in a professional coach like myself, sure. because it's really hard for us as individuals to really have a, you know as open a perspective about ourselves as we as we optimally should have. And coaches are good at doing that. You know, that's a lot of what I do is listen and share my perceptions, ask questions that help the person, the, the person I'm working with become more aware of what he or she is feeling. And, and as I said before, what we feel, what gets stimulated in us, triggered in us, whatever terminology you want to use, which happens all the time in interpersonal relationships, including at work, mm -hmm. the more aware we are of what's going on for us, the more aware we can be of how we're projecting ourselves, how we're communicating, and, and how the other person's likely to experience us and how they're going to react. Because when you're upset, even a little bit, 
the other person's going to pick up on it, especially when there's a power differential. When the boss is saying it and there's a tone of annoyance or frustration or disappointment, the other person's going to react to it and not always in the best possible way. So self-awareness that comes from humility and trying to get some help to get as clear as you can to be the best leader you can be. I love it. I think that's a that's a great word, humility. And so if I were to uh you know, leave one takeaway for our audience, I would agree with you. Humility and do that, maybe do that check-in with your employees to even see uh you know, are you communicating effectively? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but at least, you know, get that feedback from them because until you know what and where the problems are, you really can't do anything to resolve them. Absolutely. Well said. Well, and and if uh, the audience does want to reach out to Dr. Miller for more questions, his contact information will be on the website, chasingnicholspodcast.com. Dr. Mark Miller, it's been great chatting with you today. I hope we can do another one of these and another topic sometime soon. But thanks I, for coming. Thank, thank you, Alan. I would love to do that. All right, great. Take care, Mark. Thanks. The information contained in this podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional review. 